0: I wonder if you've ever made a cup of coffee in the morning and then got distracted by some things going on in your house. For some of you, it's your phone. For other people, it's the kids. For other people, it's just chores and all the endless to-do list of things going on in your house. And you forget your cup of coffee. And then you go to sip it and you taste that lukewarm coffee that is just a bit nasty now, right? And so you pop it back in the microwave to reheat it. Has anybody done this or is that just me? We got a few people, right? And then Have you ever forgotten it more times and all of a sudden you've reheated the same cup of coffee two or three times, depending on your level of distraction, right? Because lukewarm coffee is filthy. Can we all agree on that? Lukewarm coffee, it needs to be hot or it needs to be cold, nowhere in the middle. Or have you ever gotten into the shower after everybody else in your house showered and all of a sudden you feel this lukewarm water dribble out on you on a cold New Zealand winter morning and you're like having this internal debate with yourself where you're thinking, How fast can I shower? Like, what's my personal record of getting myself clean and getting out? Like, do I need to wash my hair today? Could I just wear a beanie? And by the time you hop out of the shower, you are furious at everybody else who stole the hot water, right? You can go ahead, look at the people in your house. You know who they are. Because lukewarm showers feel awful. Or have you ever made a meal at home with different components? You're trying to get fancy like a chef, so you got your seasoned meat and some grilled veggies and some hot chips, but one thing always takes longer than the other, and so by the time you sit down, have it all on your plate, and you bite into that chip that is no longer hot, it's actually a bit mushy and a bit lukewarm, and you start to grimace over this meal you just slaved over for an hour, right? Lukewarm chips are disappointing. And let me tell y'all this, lukewarm does not feel good nor does it taste good, because it's only warm-ish, but also cold-ish, and lukewarm Christianity is a trap. And so this is the type of faith that is sort of in, but also sort of out, and it is an absolute trap. And we're going to talk about it this morning, because here at Elam Papakota, we are a church that is on fire for Jesus. I don't know if you've realized that yet, but you're about to. We're a church that's a little bit loud and we're a little bit bold and we're every bit unashamed about our love for God, we are a church that is on fire and filled with praise because we want this church to be like that hot cup of coffee that just soothes your soul. We wanna be like that hot shower that comforts you on the coldest of days or like that hot chip that lifts your spirits and puts some joy in your heart, right? But in order for all of us to be that collectively, you have to own your walk individually. See, in order for us to be that collectively as a church, we each have an individual walk that we got to walk out all on our own. And so we're going to talk about that this morning in part four of It's a Trap. Say it's a trap. trap. Say it with some sass that it's a trap. trap. See, that was way better. That's more fun to say it that way, isn't it? Now, if you have missed the previous messages in this series, you're missing out because this is a series that all of us need to hear at this time. So listen to it on podcast or on Facebook. In fact, Part one that I preached was probably one of my favorite messages that I've ever preached. If you missed it, go watch that one on Facebook. But this part, this is called I'm Off the Fence. Say, I'm Off the Fence. I'm off the fence. Good. Don't get your words wrong. You're not on the fence. You are off the fence. If you're taking notes, In the old school notebook, amen, or in your phone, amen, there's also sermon notes in the Elam Christian Center app that you can go find. But one of my favorite Christian movies is called War Room. Has anybody seen War Room? It is a powerful movie. And there's this brilliant scene in this movie between this older Christian woman named Miss Clara and this real estate agent named Elizabeth who's come to sell her house. And Elizabeth, uh, her marriage is on the rocks and it's this powerful movie, but I want you to watch
1: this scene right here. Coffee will be ready in a couple of minutes. Oh, sounds good. Now, I ran a sales report from the area. Wrote down the suggested asking price for the house. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Now, what did you say your husband did for a living? Um, well, we actually haven't talked about that, but he's a sales rep for Brightwell Pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And uh, where did you say you attended church? Well, we occasionally attend Riverdale community. Mm hmm. So you would say, you know, the Lord. Yes, I would say I know the Lord. You think the Lord is okay with this asking price? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have children? Miss Clara, my husband, Tony and I have been married for sixteen years. We have one daughter. Her name is Danielle, and she's ten. She enjoys pop music and ice cream and jumping rope. Oh, well, that, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. Now, you say you attend church occasionally. Is that because your pastor only preaches occasionally? Miss Clara, I really would like to help you sell your house. That's why I'm here. As far as my faith is concerned, I believe in God, just like most people. He's very important to me. Mm-hmm. Well, let me get our coffee. <laughs> So if I asked you what your prayer life was like, would you say that it was hot or cold? I don't know that I would say it's hot. I mean, we're like most people. We have full schedules. We work. But I I would consider myself a spiritual person. I'm not hot, but I'm not cold either. Just, you know, somewhere in the middle. Here you go. I've got cream of sugar if you need it. Oh, no thank you. I like it black. Miss Clara, you like your coffee room temperature? No, baby, mine's hot. Oh, I love that. No, baby, mine's
0: hot. Don't we all need Miss Clara in our lives sometimes, right? Someone who just says it straight, just like it is. But I think we, we need to be honest with ourselves this morning. In the second week gathered together after being locked down in this country for a second time this year, do we identify more with Elizabeth? who says she's somewhere in the middle when it comes to her prayer life, who says that she's spiritual and that she knows God and is important to her but only goes to church occasionally, or are we more like Miss Clara, who is actually planted in the house of God and surrounded by people that know her story, whose prayer life is hot, who knows God personally, Because I think if we were to be really honest, and I'm not going to make you raise your hand, don't worry. But if we were to be really honest, for some of us, this is a reheat moment. Because your faith became like that forgotten cup of coffee over lockdown. And this is that moment where you've gotten back in the building and you've stuck that cup of faith back in to be reheated again, to be all that it was meant to be. Did you know that when you remove a coal from the fire, eventually it will become cold? until you throw it back into the fire, so it can be reheated by the coals that surround it, so that it can be ignited into the flame that it was created for. And so if this is your reheat moment, okay, that's cool, but I want you to lean in. More than anybody else in the room, if this is your reheat moment, I want you to lean in to see what God is gonna say to you so that you can avoid the trap of being lukewarm. In fact, we're gonna go all the way to the book of Revelation this morning. Who loves a bit of book of Revelation, come on. If you don't know where the Book of Revelation is, it's the final bi- book in your Bible. So you can flip there or scroll there. But this is where Jesus is speaking to seven different churches. And specifically in chapter three, verse 15 and 16, he is speaking to the church of Laodicea. And he says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's straight from Jesus, y'all. Now, here is why he used this terminology. Because Laodicea was a city that was situated about eight kilometers south of another big city called Hierapolis. And Hierapolis was built up on top of this plateau that had all of these beautiful medicinal hot springs that, you know, burst forth out of the ground. And so they built some waterways, some aqueducts that could transfer this hot water down to Laodicea. But by the time it arrived, it was lukewarm. There was this other city 16 kilometers east. Called Colossae. That's the famous city for the church of the book of Colossians. Maybe you know, but they had some natural cold springs that were excellent for drinking. And so they too transferred some water to Laodicea, but by the time it arrived through these aqueducts, it was lukewarm. And so here in this moment, Jesus is comparing their faith to the water of their city. Water that became bitter and was only useful for consumption once it was reheated. This type of tepid water, if drunk, would make somebody want to vomit. And that's why Jesus is saying, look, your faith makes me wanna spit you out of my mouth. Jesus was essentially saying, look y'all, your faith is so wavering. Like you're not fully submitted to the ways of God, so you're not fully with me, but you're also not fully submitted to the ways of this world. Because you call yourself a believer, you're just somewhere in the middle. You're just lukewarm. You're just sitting on the fence with your faith. Now, you wouldn't know this, but in the 9 a.m., I couldn't reach the fence, so I got myself a box because I'm a real short girl. (laughs) But you're just sitting on the fence with your faith. Now, you might be thinking, oh, no, are my kids going to get out of the kid's space because she stole the kid's fence? No, they're not. They're very well looked after in there. But we need to have a conversation about what it means to sit on the fence with our faith. Because I hear a lot of people saying this phrase, I'm on the fence. You know, it seems like a nice phrase to say that won't offend anybody. And so people sit here and they're like, yeah, I'm on the fence with it. You know, I just, I just understand both sides of the argument and they both make sense to me. And so I'm just going to sit on the fence. I don't want to offend anybody. I'm just going to sit right here. Like if you asked me if I was a Christian, I would say, yes, I love God. He's important to me, but also my friends that say they're spiritual, they're real important to me too, and and they pray. I think they pray to the same guy. It's the same guy, right? You know, I love church, but I usually just kind of go on Easter and Christmas, or I love the Bible. Like I know I should read the Bible, but it's a real big book, y'all, and I don't really know where to start, but I found these great motivational speakers that are super worldly, but I, I love them, and they make me feel awesome, so, so yeah, I, I'm on the fence. It's exhausting sitting on the fence, always trying to people please everybody, always trying to agree with everybody and we find ourselves positioned on the fence. But Paul warned us about this very type of thinking. He warned us about this in 2 Timothy, you can read it on the screen with me, chapter four, verse three and four. He said, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching, They will follow their own desires. They will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. You know, this is so true. Maybe you've known somebody for before, maybe a friend or a family member where they've got an itching ear that will go to everybody for advice, only looking for the one that agrees with them what they've ever decided in their heart. And so they're just going to any teacher that will say what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. And this is what the world will come to when we're looking for all of these worldly teachers that will say something that makes us feel good, right? And so this is very dangerous thinking. The world the world is trying to sell confusion. The world is promising utopia but delivering dystopia. The world is trying to convince people that, you know what, it's all good if you're a fence squatter. It's all good if you just perch yourself up here and just pretend like everything's all good. Because they make this place seem like the place of least offense, sitting on the fence. Not realizing that the greatest freedom and liberation comes when you get off the fence and stand in truth and actually stand in the knowledge of who God is. Because Jesus, when he said he spits lukewarm believers out of his mouth, I want to know what that is. I want to know what that means because I won't be spit out of his mouth. I don't know about y'all, but I want to know what it means to be lukewarm. Because what he's really saying is this fence that you've perched yourself on so that you can just be the ultimate people pleaser, it's actually not his. This fence is built in enemy territory. See, a lot of people like to think that the fence belongs on no man's land. Have you guys ever heard that term before? No man's land being like, it's not God's, it's not the enemy's, it's just in the middle. Well, guess what? There's no no man's land in this world. There's there's God's territory and there's enemy's territory. And the devil has actually built this fence so close to God's territory that we convince ourselves that this is the most PC place to sit, the most politically correct place to sit. Well, guess what, y'all? Jesus was not a politically correct leader. In fact, his ministry was quite offensive to people, quite offensive to worldly ways of thinking and religious ways of thinking. And also he didn't come to this world and say, hey guys, I am a fence, come sit on me. He came to this world. And he said, I am the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the life, and the only way to get to the Father is through me. See, what that means is when Jesus came, he knew that the enemy had already set up this trap, and this trap gets so many people. And so he came, and Jesus became the bridge for humanity to get off the fence and to step into heavenly territory. He became the bridge and the sacrifice who made a way for us to be reunited with the Father and to step into heavenly territory. But he also said this, he said in Matthew chapter seven, verse 21, not everybody who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Ooh, that's a scary thought, right? He said, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Now, what does he mean here? Let's talk about what he means here because this is important. I don't want you to get trapped on judgment day, sitting on the fence or just on this side of the fence and be like, hey Jesus. Remember me? Lord, yeah, yeah, I've been here this whole time. See, I've been touching it. I haven't left the fence. People treat this, you know how baseball players don't want to leave the base before they run to the next one? I don't know if they do it in cricket, too. I'm still learning those rules. But but they keep one hand on here or they keep one foot on here to try to inch their way, and we got a lot of people that keep one foot on the fence, and they try to see how far they can get into worldly ways of thinking so that in that moment they can be like, Jesus, what's up, my bro? Remember me? but this happens all the time. Let me tell you, people people that do this, every single time we have a relationship panel, let me tell you the question that teenagers always ask. I see you teenagers. Um, But this is actually for everybody. Everybody always asks this question on the relationship panel. They say, how far is too far? Like, how far is too far? Let me tell you, and we've said it to them and I will say it to y'all. If you're asking that question, you've probably gone too far this is the greatest trap of the enemy we don't want to get our ourselves caught there on judgment day we want to be here on this side of the fence as fully devoted followers of jesus that when we call out lord lord he knows us personally because we've been walking in heavenly territory and walking in the will of the father lukewarm believers are the type of believers that will sit here and say yeah i know god is real he sounds like a good dude Um, but they don't walk in the fullness of the spirit. They don't walk in the fullness of everything that they were created to do. Let me tell you this, Jesus will never agree to a shared custody agreement between him and the devil. He's never gonna agree to just having you on a Sunday. Jesus wants full custody of your soul. He wants full custody of who you are, not just part of you, but all of you. So how do we get off the fence? How do we take our lukewarm faith and reheat it and make it hot again? Well, this morning, I've got five quick tips for you. I would encourage you to write them down so you can come back to them because guess what? We all have a next step. Every single person in this room has a next step. And these are five quick tips that can become five declarations that you can make over your life. Now, the first one is the, the one that actually gets you off the fence. To go from here into heavenly territory, all you got to do is commit to Jesus. Commit to Jesus. This is everybody's first step. This was my first step. Y'all, I sat on the fence for so many years, all throughout uni. I sat on the fence, just being like, oh, yeah, 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 like I I understand it all. Um, But I had to get off the fence and commit to Jesus and allow Him to embrace me, mess and all. And guess what? His grace can cover your past. His grace can forgive you of all of those mistakes. Because trust me, I made some and I know you have too. God can cover that. His grace can cover that. And He's got more for you, but you got to step off surrender and allow him to embrace you. If this is you, the commitment you need to make today is to say, I will commit to Jesus. I will call him Lord and he will know me personally. See, and then once you step into heavenly territory, this is the second commitment. Commit to connection, commit to connection because it's one thing to step off the fence and allow God to embrace the real you, the messy you, but it's another thing to allow believers to embrace the real you, the messy you, and to let them get to know you. See, you've got to commit to connection because we were not created to do life alone. We're actually created to do life together. And let me tell you, It's the friends here in godly territory that will keep you from climbing back onto the fence when times get tough. It's these friends that will catch you when you undoubtedly fall off again. It's these friends that will help you discover everything there is to discover in heavenly territory. And I know that to be true because I've walked that journey. It was in 2012, there was a small group that really kept me off the fence. I stepped off the fence because I wanted to know Jesus, but it was the small group that kept talking me back down. It was the small group that kept me grounded. It was the small group that changed everything for me and helped me get to know who God really was. And if it wasn't for that, that group of believers that I became so vulnerable with, I would not be standing here as a pastor today. You've gotta allow other believers to know you. And if this is you, then you need to make this declaration say I will commit to connection and I will put myself out there and I will go along to a small group and I will give other Christians a chance to know me and good news is small groups are relaunching for term four and so you can sign up after this service underneath those balloons go talk to Ellie and Christian and they would love to help you get connected into a small group and then thirdly commit to church Mm, yeah I said it I know you might think I'm biased because I'm the pastor and I totally am but let me tell you why that you should commit to church because I love what Miss Clara said to Liz in that clip from War Room Liz claimed that she and her family went to church occasionally and Miss Clara goes "Uh uh-huh so does your pastor only preach occasionally let me tell y'all we preach here every single week (laughs) but despite how hard your week may have been despite the amount that is currently on your plate, despite the argument you had with your spouse in the parking lot, despite the amount of sleep you lost because of young kids, despite you just not feeling in the mood, the best thing you can still do is show up for church. The best thing you can do is actually position yourself in God's presence so that he can change your perspective. See, even in Those moments when you feel so low, once you get in the room and you surround yourself with the collective faith of the family here, their faith can lift you and their faith can heal you and their faith can inspire you. But you got to get in the room. And in fact, if if you're at this step and you need to make this commitment, then your declaration is saying, I will commit to church. I will save my seat if the government makes me do that and I will show up despite how lukewarm or cold I feel, I know if I just get back into the fire, their faith could reignite me. You know what church family does is a church family embraces you, not just on your good days, but even on your worst days. See, on the days when you feel discouraged, you just got to get in the room and position yourself next to someone you know is encouraging and let their faith rub off on you. On the days when you feel disconnected, Get in the room and intentionally position yourself next to someone you know is passionate and let their zeal rub off on you. On the days when you feel so weak and so broken, just get in the room and come up to the ministry team after the service and let them pray over you. You know, if you were here with us last week, you would have known because Frosty shared a little bit of it then. But I was supposed to preach this message then and be up here on the stage encouraging you. But Pastor Haley, we called her in instead. Why? Because I walked through my worst week of 2020. And so I was feeling incredibly depleted. But did I just stay home? No, I still showed up. Even if I couldn't stand up here with a microphone last week to encourage y'all, I positioned myself right there with tears streaming down my face so that your faith could encourage me, so that your faith could lift me. You just got to get in the room. Just keep showing up. And let the faith of this fire, of this family, reignite the flame within you. Turn to your neighbor and say, just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. In fact, I'm wondering if you could tell, because here's the thing. There's a lot of people that are probably going to listen to this message on podcast because they're nervous about coming back yet, or maybe they've become comfortable sitting at home, listening to the podcast or watching online church. Can you say just keep showing up to them? Just keep showing up. That's all we need. Just keep showing up. Because God can do something when you position yourself in the room. Number four, commit to serving. Commit to serving because the thing that helped really keep me off the fence it was my small group but it was also my commitment to serving in the house of God see what what helped keep me from climbing back on the fence was actually serving as a door greeter at botany's Sunday 5 p.m. service that's where I started and as a youth leader at Oxygen on a Friday night and because I positioned myself there I was no longer clubbing On a Friday night. I was praising Jesus in a a little praise pit of oxygen on a Friday night. I I was no longer in toxic friendships or in toxic circles because I positioned myself at the door of God's house and I welcome people in the same way I was welcomed in many months prior. All you got to do is say, God, can you use me? And if you position yourself around godly people in his house, he will shape your life in the way that it is meant to be shaped. In fact, the Bible says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The thing is, is when you show up and become a fully devoted member of the dream team, you will find on the days that when you walk in feeling so depleted, you will walk out feeling so refreshed. Why? Because it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And it's actually this beautiful exchange takes place when a dream team member shows up and said, God, could you use me today? And the Holy Spirit partners with them, and starts to impact and influence other people through them. But guess what? That dream team member is impacted and refreshed through that exchange. So when you walk in depleted, you will walk out feeling refreshed. So if you've been sitting in this church for a long time, you've been sitting here saved, but you haven't made the leap to join the dream team, then this is your commitment to make. This is your declaration to make. Say, I will commit to serving. Look, I will go through growth track to discover my purpose. And good news, it starts again today at 1230. And I will actively commit to making a difference and allowing God to use me and the get- gifts he's given me to bless other people. And then finally, I don't know if y'all are going to like this one, but you better commit to discipline. Ooh. Yeah. Thank you, Nicole. Disciple and discipline are actually from the same Latin root word, which means pupil, which is a fancy word for student, which means that as followers of Jesus, as disciples, we need to be committed to remaining teachable, and we need to actively pursue ways to grow personally. Later in Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus said, I correct and discipline everyone I love. That means if Jesus has been correcting you and he's been disciplining you, he loves you. He loves you. In fact, he said, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Jesus is very straight up. Turn from your indifference. I love you and I'm going to correct you. A parent disciplines a child out of love because a parent sees the full potential in that child and they know that they need to grow, right? God does the same. We are his children, and he sees the full potential in us, and he wants us to grow. And so he's going to nudge us and correct us in different ways so that we can grow into everything he created us to be. So if this is your step that you need to take, you've committed to God, you've committed to believers, you've committed to a church family, you're committed to the dream team, the best thing you can do is shape a life of discipline. Love it, don't we? Shape a life of discipline. What does that mean? It means a life that is focused in running the race that God has for you specifically. It means shaping a life and a habit to pray with God daily. It's just talking to him. You don't need to use fancy words. It's shaping a life of reading your Bible and engaging in his word. It's a life that enables you to avoid temptation and the stumbling blocks of the enemy. It's a life that empowers you to cut the sin out of your life and to stay focused on becoming more and more like Jesus. So if you're at this step, commit to declaring, I will Commit to discipline because I'm a disciple, and I will remain teachable, and I will lean into my growth as a believer because I know that as I lean into my potential, my flame can help reheat the lives of those that I influence. Fan can join me now. Church, I promise you, if you follow through with these commitments, your faith will become hot. Your faith will actually draw other people to you because people will know that there's this warmth of the Holy Spirit moving within you. Your faith will become stronger and more anchored as you run the race set out for you. You know, the journey off the fence, it first starts with surrender, followed by vulnerability with other believers, followed by showing up for a church family even on your worst days, followed by allowing God to use you so that you can serve both God and people. And then it is leaning into growth, consistent daily growth so that you can be a fully devoted follower of Jesus so that Jesus can see you in heavenly territory and know you personally so that you can stand here. Firm like Miss Clara did, and look at the people that are still sitting on the fence that are trying to tempt you to get back up there. You could say, Oh no, baby, my faith is hot. Why don't you come experience what I've got? You gotta commit to these different things in your life and take these steps. Never become stagnant in your faith, or the waters of your faith will become tepid and bitter. And you don't want Jesus to spit you out of your mouth, out of his mouth. Later in Revelation. Chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, Jesus says to the church, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Look, the people who choose to step off the fence are essentially choosing to step into victory. They're choosing to step into victory heavenly territory, choosing light over darkness, good over evil, liberation over captivity, freedom over this trap of lukewarm. And friend, you can have that choice today too. Before I go, I want to pray for all of y'all. And I'm going to pray for two groups of people. The first group, I'm just going to pray that you could be encouraged with your next step. And then secondly, I want to offer people a chance to take this first step this most important one is to just get off the fence. So if you could just close your eyes and bow your heads with me as I pray. God, I just ask that your hand would be upon this house, that your anointing would fall upon each and every one of us. And God, I pray in this moment, you would reignite that fire within us. God, I pray that you would help each of us take our next step. Whatever that next step may be, God, I pray that you would empower us and strengthen us to avoid the fence, to avoid this trap of the enemy, and we just ask for that in your name.